0: Welcome to the Superhero of Love podcast. I am Bridget Fonger, and I wrote a book called Superhero of Love, Heal Your Broken Heart and Then Go Save the World. My book is all about helping people love and be loved more than ever. I believe we all have a superhero of love inside of us. Yes, even you, superhero. And in this podcast, I talk to people who are all about helping us all tap into that superhero. May this episode make a difference for your heart. Let's get this party started welcome superheroes we are here with a person who wrote the more beautiful version of my book <laughs> 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 the, uh, the, we are going to be talking today to Rebecca Wynn who wrote it is called 100 daffodils finding beauty grace and meaning when things fall apart. This is her first book, but you would never, ever, 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 ever know that it was her first book. It literally, it seems like your hundredth book, honestly. It is so exquisitely gorgeous. She is a former landscape designer and award-winning floral designer also. So let me just say why those two things are important to me. She is now you know, she will be an award-winning author in no time, in nanoseconds. We're in the middle of a quarantine, but in in nanoseconds, once the The many sparks that are out there right now of all the people that have read it, including me, like once all those little sparks start lighting fires, it's going to be a huge, beautiful, gorgeous, exquisite inferno with little flowers emanating from the fire going up to the heavens. Honestly, it is going to be like wildfire. Just mark my words right now. And let me also tell you that I get a lot of emails from publishers uh, pitching books for me to interview the authors. And I usually say no. I saw the title and I was like, Wait, 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 100 daffodils. And then I saw the subtitle. Wait, 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 wait. And then I saw your former landscape designer and award-winning floral designer, because these are two passions of mine as well. So welcome, 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 Rebecca Wynn.
1: Thank you so much. That's got to be like, I never want anybody to introduce me again except you. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Seriously. So uh, Rebecca was just telling me the uncanny timing of her book coming out. Her book came out, and I know this thing because my book came out January 1st, 2019, which meant it came out one minute into the new year of 2019. Her book came out On March 24th at 12.01 a.m. And she lives in Dallas right now. She will soon be an L.A. girl. And I can't wait to meet you in person, person, person. But Dallas is the city where she lives. And her city literally went into lockdown one minute before her book came out. So, I mean, that's just unbelievable. Yep. The timing of that it's just a pause button because it's going to be as if no time passed though. Right. And this is a book that is going to be handed down in the generations as because this is a timeless book. It is so exquisitely beautiful. You guys, it's, Oh my God. I already posted about it on Facebook. I never post about um, podcast interviews before I have them either. And I was like, Oh my God, you guys, I just, because what (laughs) (laughs) happens podcast listeners is that, that the publisher wasn't getting my emails where I was requesting the PDF of the book. Somehow she just was, it was not, the book wasn't coming and uh, I need them in PDF format so I can read them fast at the last minute. And so uh, on Sunday evening, I started the book, which was late. And I said, well, I may have to postpone the podcast, but let me see how much I can read tonight. And I started the book at 7 p.m. And the book is 320 pages long. And at midnight, I had read 290 of the 320 pages. And the only reason I didn't leave the, read the last 30 pages is I felt like I wanted to be really, really sharp, 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 and re- to read the last 30. And I wanted to savor... It's such a sensuous, beautiful experience. Thank you for writing this book. And literally, nobody needs to read my book. They just need to read
1: your book. You are so precious.
0: No, but seriously, it is so beautiful. So you guys, so she talks about her life and like the the subtitle says, finding beauty, grace, and meaning when things fall apart. So we hear about two specific junctures, major junctures in your life where things fell apart. And I want to, so let me just finish that thought. So she talks about these two, specifically two huge junctures in her life where things fell apart. And we get to see how healing nature was for you so it's inspiring to allow nature to heal our hearts, and this is the superhero of love podcast, so and I'm talking to you because you are clearly in the business of helping us heal our hearts as you healed yours so But the way you talk about nature because you have such it is your beloved, it is one of your beloveds, right? Thank you for writing this book and Thank you for all the wisdom in it. And I had a lot of aha moments in here. And I'm going to give you, I'm going to start out just very quickly by just giving them a taste because I want them to have a taste of your writing right off the bat. So they get who I'm talking to, right? So you're not just like some human.
1: You want me to
0: do it? Oh my God. That's so awesome. Would you?
1: Okay. Where, where, where? Okay,
0: so I actually don't know what page this is on.
1: But well, just tell know. me what the
0: yes. Yeah. So, so you can read anything you want, but no. I was going to read the beautiful greens we think of as the natural color Uh-oh. of leaves.
1: That's I am autumn.
0: I am autumn. Yes. Yeah. This resonated with me because I, I have sadness around autumn like autumn usually makes me sad and spring is my spring and summer are where I come to life. And then they don't make me as sad as they used to, but so you taught me something with
1: this paragraph.
0: Mm, thank you. So, okay.
1: Um, <clears throat> okay. So um, I just want to give a little bit of backstory to this paragraph or this. So do you want me to read it all the way to the end? Cause that is right before the end. Awesome. Of that piece. Okay. Yeah. So um, I have, um, I've just been describing how how the colors that we think of leaves as turning in the fall are actually masked by the green of chlorophyll. Okay, so I'm talking about my personal transformation and how I'm unveiling these masks that I've been wearing through social socialization and cultural expectations and all that kind of stuff. Okay, so like I said, the piece is called I Am Autumn. The beautiful fresh greens we think of as the natural color of leaves is actually a mask of sorts. It is a sign that the tree is working hard. Green leaves are striving for survival by using the chlorophyll coursing through their veins in the warm spring and summer months. Green leaves are processing and converting sunlight, water, and carbon dioxide into a form that feeds the trees, helps them grow, and can sustain them through the winter. But as the days shorten, and sunlight becomes increasingly scarce, nature shifts its focus from gathering and processing food to integrating and storing what has been gathered, transferring it from the leaves to the roots. As this happens, the worker bee greens drop away and the leaves, true colors, begin to emerge. The beautiful, vivid colors of fall are not created, they're revealed.
0: So beautiful.
1: <laughs> you want me to keep going?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> Most
0: <I'm of> mesmerized.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Most of the time we are green leaves. We go about our daily routines, striving for survival. We spend our days and often our nights coping, coping with work, with children, parents, with all the responsibilities that consume our lives, trying to fit in some quality time here and there with our loved ones, and maybe, if we're lucky, with ourselves. We are bright, shiny, busy green leaves, doing what we must to ensure our survival, until one day, A crisis hits, and it's impossible to continue with business as usual. In those moments, we are stripped of our ability to hide behind our busyness and are forced to be fully present with this new reality and find within ourselves the internal fortitude that previously lay dormant. Our lovely green facade disintegrates, and all those pressing goals and demands that have consumed our time and attention, day in and day out, diminish, and sometimes completely disappear. In moments of personal cataclysm, something wiser, more resilient, more courageous wakes within us, bringing with us that with it the necessary strength to confront our greatest challenges, no matter how harsh. In those moments, we become autumn, authentic, unmasked, raw, real, powerful, and beautiful. And crisis strips away our masks and guides us inside to our authentic selves. The beauty it reveals can be staggering. When we are unmasked, we are vibrant, we are radiant. When we are holy ourselves, it is holy. Mm. Seasons change, and so do I. And right now, I am autumn.
0: Oh. See, nothing more needs to be said. <laughs> no just needs to go. Read We're done here. Yes. <laughs> that was a taster. You See how magnificent it is. End of story. So. How perfect also is it that we're in this quarantine, you know this moment of crisis for oh, yeah. all of us right so is there how are you how, how are you, how is your quarantine how How are you dealing with it
1: well, so I have a couple of answers to that. The first one is that, as far as just the quarantine is concerned, um, I am sort of that odd duck kind of personality that is like an extroverted introvert so when i'm out doing things and when i'm with people i'm very friendly i'm outgoing. i meet people easily but i am actually an introvert if you define that by where you draw your energy so i can be you know at the party but there's a point at which the party exhausts me and i've got to go and at home is where I restore. So, being in quarantine itself, um, it's not really that different than my life, except that I can't go out and I do live alone, and that has been a little hard. So, that's thing one. Thing two, how I'm doing with the quarantine is that it's been really hard having something as important mm-hmm. as this mm-hmm. to happen and be by myself and not Mm -hmm. be able to have, you know, I had a 250 people coming to the launch night. I had a party with over 700 people invited on the next Saturday night and then all that stuff I told you about in LA and then I had New York and upstate New York and then across the Southwest. I mean, I had a lot of really fun, exciting events and to experience that loss and have to do that by myself, mm. that has been tough, and my sweet, precious son, who lives in l a um he he said, "Mom, I want to come even when everything started getting canceled. He said, "I really just don't want you to spend this moment by yourself, but oh, that's so happy. beautiful." he was in L.A. L.A. was a hotbed. He would have to fly here. If he were an asymptomatic carrier and something happened to me, he would never forgive himself. And I said, you know, I just can't let you do that. I can't personally take that risk. And I can't let you take that risk. And Mm. so, you know, I had a Zoom cocktail party with my family the night of my book release. (laughs) uh yeah that was so not how I saw that happening right that's that has been really hard and and I will actually say just a a completely vulnerable and very human about that that I don't actually necessarily feel like I have full permission to even really feel that and express it when people are dying yeah Um, okay yeah well you know your book's been delayed you'll survive you know because people, especially in Dallas, you know, I think more on the coast, people get what a big deal it is to get a big five publisher and a major, you know, mm-hmm. major book event when you're absolutely zero nobody from Dallas, you know, that they don't even get what a big deal it is. Yeah. Um, so so that's, that's felt like a huge loss. It really has. But, you know, as they say in Hollywood, it's all material. <laughs> and believe me, this will be in the next book.
0: Yeah. The other thing is that the life of a book is for as a, is a forever life, right? Like I was saying before, that it's going. This is a book that's going to be passed down through the generations. People are going to be reading this long after you're gone. And
1: you are so sweet. Thank it's you. It's true.
0: So it's absolutely true. I haven't felt this strongly about a book uh, since um, Liz Gilbert's, um, Signature of All Things.
1: Oh, isn't that a beautiful book?
0: It's a beautiful book. And I haven't felt like that. And I feel like this is going to stay with me just like that book has, right? Like I can, when I just say that title and remember that book, I have a, you know, it, it comes, the feeling comes back over me and it will, I know that that's going to happen with this book too, because you, so first of all, I, I, I also said to, um, I think I might've said it on the Facebook post or I might've texted some friends saying that they had to buy your book, whichever audience I was sending this to, I was saying, I dare you to, uh, I dare you to read this book and not want to go fly to Dallas to see her house and her gardens. (laughs) (laughs)
1: When I did that NPR interview um, last week, the host Carrie Miller um she had her producer s- tell me in advance, she said, have her sit somewhere where she can see her garden, because I want her to describe to my listeners what she can see. Oh. And I was like, you know, okay, well, I'm not going to lie, you can actually see my garden from every window in my house, um, because <laughs> I designed it that way. <laughs> but I also sent her on Easter, my irises peaked, and I took a picture of just one segment of irises. I love irises. So I have them all around, but I have this one suite and they all peaked on Easter Sunday. And I'm telling you, girl, it looked like Giverny. It was so wow. So it's actually on their um, website. Oh, how beautiful. And she said, you know, I want to see your garden. And I was like, you know, I would love for you to see my garden. You're welcome to come.
0: I think you're gonna. Ha- I think after you move to LA, you're gonna have to set somebody up to give tours of your garden. Seriously. Oh my It's gonna. It has to be the little um, hundred daffodils uh, m- uh, museum,
1: right? Oh like, gosh, that wouldn't that be fun? Yes. Can you imagine? I I mentioned in one of the stories where I have all of these volunteer trees that I have just allowed to do their thing, and there's one in the front that's like super, you know, bendy, and it scrapes the driveway, and, and I describe it as, as uh, scraping the driveway and my crotchety neighbor's last nerve. Yes, <laughs> I love that. I have a feeling that the whole like garden tour thing might be a problem with that little <laughs> little crab lady. Oh, my crab lady. <laughs>
0: That's hilarious. Have you given her a copy? Of- Maybe you should just leave her a little. Oh no, I guess you can't. Maybe you have to cross out that line. <laughs> leave it
1: out of- you know what? I I would really <laughs> invite her not to read my book. I, I, you know, she, <laughs> 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 she- <laughs> I I irritate her to no end, and it's so odd because, um, what you're creating beauty. I know. I mean, my, my, my garden has literally been on HGTV, my, the front, my front garden. Um, but you know, to accomplish that, I've got my crew here a lot, my landscape crew, and that's really what she hates. She doesn't even know me. She doesn't really object to me. What she objects to is that I've always got trucks in front of my house and people working in my yard. And I'm like, you know what? I mean, I don't mean to be immodest, but I have single-handedly elevated your property values (laughs) (laughs) because her house looks like it's been vacant for 10 years. (laughs) That is hilarious.
0: Oh my God. I have a fantasy of having like a crew of elves come in and just do her entire garden. And you just leave a little note. Love, Rebecca. We love from Rebecca. Oh my God. Uh, So one of the things that I uh, keep coming across is, and I knew that you were not going to be like this, but I keep coming across, and I'm also reflecting in myself. This is true for me. I keep coming across angry women. (laughs) put it very simply, right? And like the, like successful women that they have a, just a harder edge, right? There isn't the softening, right? And you deal a lot, it, it, because in any transformation, like when you're looking, when you're doing shadow work, which is by the way, throughout my whole book. So I love that you mentioned that shadow work. When you're doing shadow work, you tend to, when you when you rub up against those barnacles on the heart, you scrape yourself and you get angry, right? And so anger comes up when you're transforming. And I love how you deal with anger and how, yet again, I'm making this point of how uh, it feels like going into nature is helps you heal that. And I love how you do that, but I love how you deal with anger. And I love, I love what your son said. Tell, will you tell the story of when your son sat you down when you were on uh, on that trip?
1: Yeah, I will try to do that without crying. And um, so, so I, I will start out by saying that it took me a long time to access my anger because being from essentially a Southern, you know, traditional upbringing, um, that wasn't really something ladies expressed. And <clears throat> so I it took me a really long time to 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 even access my anger i mean i i felt it but but you know they say depression is anger turned inward and that was what i experienced a lot of a lot of depression but to actually move it out and through that was really really challenging for me but when that cracked open which which it very much did in in one very grand and uh an epic, uh, explosive moment. Um, <laughs> I love how you
0: wrote it. Three lines. Wait, hold on. I actually, I copy this down. I new paragraph. Went new paragraph. Postal period. <laughs> I don't remember the date details of when I went postal. I just know that I went completely off the rails for three days. That's right, for three days. I was screaming and roaring and swearing and crying and lashing out, dot, dot, dot. Uh, but I love how you describe that too. But anyway, Yeah.
1: So once that release valve was accessed, I had five decades of unexpressed anger that didn't just all blow out in that one day. And so I described several cathartic processes that I went through and i kept thinking maybe maybe this time I've, I've i've purged myself of all that anger but that wasn't how that worked it took years it took 3 years is that right yeah anyway so when my son got married in april of 2016 i was really in the depths of you know the anger and they decided that they were gonna move to New Zealand for a year. And so I was not going to be going through everything that I was going through and not see my son at Christmas. So I decided, and I wanted to go to New Zealand actually since I was in college, like oh way gosh. before Lord of the Rings made it, the destination du jour. And uh, so I, I decided I was gonna go and I wanted to go, I get so far away. <laughs> That I, I wanted to stay, you know, because gosh, it takes you a while just to get over the jet lag. So, um, so I went for a month and I saw him at the beginning of that trip and we were in Queenstown and we were going up, uh, the funicular to the top of one of the mountains cause it's a ski town and Uh, but December of course is their spring. Okay. Um, And he, it was just he and I, so his wife had stayed back at the place we were staying. And he said, mom, um, I need to ask you something. Is this anger? Is this the new normal? And I said, I don't know. Mm -hmm. I don't want it to be, but I don't know. Because at that point, I had just, I had surrendered to the process. And I didn't have any control over it. And and it was a heartbreaking and terrifying, very brief, but heartbreaking conversation because, you know, he said, I mean, I can handle whatever I need to, but but I just need to know. And so what I surmised was, you know, it's a problem. <laughs> so I just need to know what I need to be equipped for. So it was really difficult. He did it in
0: such a loving way. I love how he yeah. did it. And it it's like it, it like he was sensitive to the fact that it was your process and that it was it was due and I loved that spark that I, it came out as a spark out of the book for me because we often judge anger as bad and wrong, right? And like I'm judging it as bad and wrong in these, you know, like do we really have to be bitchy to be successful
1: <laughs>
0: these experiences that i'm having right um and and i'm and, but i am i'm looking at myself am i being bitchy too and you just whatever but um i'm seeing it you know and and always you know in shadow work if you can you're pointing that finger out there then look at what's coming back at you right. um but generally anger is squelched. I know particularly in the South, but everywhere, right? Like when it's not okay to, to go through that healing. And you had to go through that healing yeah. stage.
1: Well, and I'll tell you something else. It's kind of interesting just in terms of the construction of the book. So, so there, their essays for the most part, or, you know, individual pieces that actually started as journal entries. But um, when I submitted the first draft, so my editor is just like amazing. She's just this wonderful, kind, also from Texas, actually, um, surprisingly. But she's the editor-in-chief of the hardback division of Grand Central. So she's, you know, really a big deal and, and managed to get there by being like this really gracious, really lovely woman. But anyway, I sent her the first draft and she, you know, almost all of her notes were just super, super, super supportive. Oh my gosh, this is so wise. Oh wow. I never thought about that. Oh, beautiful. You know, like that. Mm -hmm. And then there'd be a, not not a big fan of this piece consider uh eliminating and there were like four or five places where she did that and as I got all the way through her notes I was like "Hmm, now isn't that interesting every place where I wrote myself as not very likable you know as free mm. or bitter mm. or whatever she was like mm, I don't know maybe maybe not and and in one note it actually said you know you yeah, know maybe maybe We should do something where you sound a little less angry and bitter. And so I called her and I said, hey, you know, I noticed, thank you for all the lovely, you know, comments and everything. And I noticed that the only places where you actually had um, suggestions to eliminate things were where I didn't come off looking too good. And did you do that on purpose? And she was like, oh, did I do that? Wow. And I said, "Mm wow. Wow. Yeah. And she said, wow. She said, I would really need to go back and look at that. But, but she said, no, I totally did not do that intentionally. That was not conscious at all. And she said, you know what? I think maybe happened. (laughs) This is so sweet. She said, I think by the time you got to that part in the book, I had fallen so in love with you, and I felt protective about you, and I didn't want you out in the world in that way. Hmm. And I said, "I love you for that. I really hmm. do, and I'm not willing to take this out." Right, <laughs> because you know the okay. whole thing is the the just the raw vulnerability of the experience, and if I had sanitized that. I really feel like the whole arc of transformation would have been misleading, honestly. I Mm -hmm. think it would not have been true. Mm -hmm. Because I think that, um, I think it's just like exercise in a way, you know? Like, I don't really think that you can, and I am no, you know, super exercise buff, but I know from my friends who are, Beautiful bodies, <laughs> You know, that they work really hard at that and that, you know, it's, it's, you know, I mean, they kind of love it in the same way that I, you know, love the garden and they aren't interested in that. There's has them end up looking like goddesses, but, but, but it's not easy. Right. And it's the same way with soul transformation. I believe mm. is that there are no five steps to healing your childhood wounds or, you know, 12 steps to the perfect relationship. No, it's not true. And anything that says that they're just lying to you. Like that's just a, they've never done it. Mm-hmm. And B it's not true. It's like somebody said one time, "Oh yeah, shadow work, man. It's uh, it's the bomb." one you know, <laughs> that says shadow work is the bomb has definitely not. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know. Well, I would. I have to say, I'm going to argue slightly with you on that one. The reason I think it's the bomb. I mean, I've never said that sentence, but I think I relate to it. Is that when you get on the other side of that shadow and it's not running you anymore, the amount of freedom that you have it's is true. breathtaking like it makes me cry it makes me yeah. cry now because it's so the freedom is breathtaking on the other side of that work it which is, is what powerful. what we get in on your journey too in your book we see that you know that going through that anger and and uh going through all the the pain that you went to um is
1: is totally worth it? Well, maybe when she said it was the bomb, she meant like a nuclear bomb. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, but I love, uh, I loved like when you were sitting in that butchered garden, right? It was in London, There's right? Not. The holly. Uh, no, was it? that Where was,
1: was actually in Dallas. The, oh, it's it's Dallas. The, I'm sorry. the plane trees that were in London.
0: It's oh okay. Right. I'm so sorry. Uh, no, so, so sitting in that butchered garden, and you were. So, do you want to tell that story? Because this is an anger story, too, where, like, which is on the theme of what we're just talking about, is when you see it in somebody else, like, I'm reflecting on, right. on this issue. Do you want right me now? to just read you that? Oh, one.
1: that's awesome. It's yeah.
0: Fantastic.
1: Um, I believe that that is chocolate carry water. Isn't it? Yes, it is. Okay. So, I'll just read the little, the little dialogue. Um, So I've gone into this garden. It's a courtyard and I had known for years that it had been planted poorly. The design was good, but the actual plants that they chose, I knew eventually were going to get too big for the space. And so then what were they going to do? And sure enough, I went into this little courtyard to meditate and the plants had gotten too big and they had just butchered them. They were just bony. You know, they were just, it was terrible. So, um, so I, <laughs> I closed my eyes both to block out the horticultural vandalism this garden had suffered, and to go within, which was why I came here in the first place. Trying to center in the stillness, annoyance remained in my mind and my body. I could not seem to let go of how badly this garden had been treated. Angry, irritating thoughts permeated my mind with an ongoing side chorus of how much better I could have done it. I didn't want to sit with this irritation. It was disproportionate to the impact this courtyard should be having on my life. I've learned over these years of spiritual and psychological study that a process of inquiry can be most edifying when something or someone bothers me, especially when they bother me a lot for no apparent reason. So I dialed into the feelings and asked myself, why does this irritate you so much? Isn't it obvious? They are not taking care of these beautiful trees at all. Are they (laughs) blind to how they're ruining them? Can't they see how they're hurting them? Can't they see how terrible they look now? (laughs) Where in your life have you done the same thing? Excuse me? I would never in a million years do this. Yes, but where in your life have you done it? Nowhere. Is it possible you might have somewhere? (sighs) I wanted to continue to, to defend, but I couldn't. The question mattered. I could feel it. So I sat in the discomfort until the urge to defend began to fade, at which point I actually heard the question. Not the question I thought I was being asked, but the real question. And in the presence of the real question, a real answer rose up and began to take form within me.
0: And then we hear about cutting off your own branches and the way that you...
1: Self-destructive patterns of my life.
0: Yeah, that we all do. We all hack at our beautiful branches for to fit into somebody else's
1: trunk. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. And you know, I, I, I love the, the pieces that you had me read because one of the things that has, been, that was a little difficult for me before the book sold and when, and even today when people say, what is your book about? I'm like, you know, it's kind of a genre-bending kind of memoir. There is a garden aspect. You know, I can't. I still don't have any elevator speech about my book. Yeah, you know, and what I always end up doing, you know, like there's a part in the book where I talk about my mother asking me what I want for my birthday, and I give her this long list of all the things I don't want. You know, and she's like, I didn't ask you what you didn't want. I asked you what you wanted. And I was like, what's the difference? well I kind mm. of do the same thing with my book you know people say what is your book about and I start telling them what it's not about <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like let me tell you what it definitely isn't it definitely isn't our family are the roots and our friends are the branches and the <laughs> and it's just really not because nature is, is it's a metaphor that is so beautiful and so appropriate and so constant that it's been used always millennia And so to do that in a way that hasn't been done um, is... Is a feat. It's not, yeah, it's not something to see every day. And so that's why I love that that you, you know, the pieces that you chose, because you can see, and your listeners can see, that this is like, you don't have to be a gardener. You don't have to be into nature. You don't have to, anything, you know, if you live on planet earth and you are aware that there is nature around you, I think that, that the, the ways in which nature is used as a metaphor in this book will be enlightening. And mm-hmm. and, and, and it's not like- just,
0: if you're just FYI, if you're an animal person, you're going to be super happy to, because you have so many animal and insect stories. Um, and I, when did I, I uh, the day you had a, the I I. it just so happens, I read your book on Sunday and for the last like five days, like one day I, I hadn't seen a live snake. i would seen dead snakes in the road or on the hiking path, but I hadn't seen a live snake in years, many years. And I saw a little black garters, you know, garter snake one day, slithering away right in front of my dog, and then the next day we were on a dog walk in a different spot, and there was this green snake, bright green snake, and two days in a row, and I also had, today was the second of these very long conversations with a crow, like really, really like, caw, 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 like we had a chat, like Like, this whole week, the preceding few days, and then the subsequent few days, um, like, I've just, I I just loved how you brought animals into it, is my point, and how um, they make us stop, especially, and I love how this quarantine is making everybody appreciate nature more, right?
1: It's everywhere, right? (laughs) It's people like, like, good old boys that, you know... The old Texas like high school friend people that I have so little in common with now and they're they're posting pictures of magnolias blooming in their garden and I'm like, who are you, <laughs> but it's amazing right it's so great. I love
0: it because it's making me stop. Like, I don't know that I would have stopped. It's making me, even though I'm busier than ever, actually, but I still am stopping and slowing down more for nature. Like, I don't know that I would have had this long a conversation with a crow before the <laughs> quarantine. You know what I mean? And your book, this, it's a perfect quarantine book because uh, it makes you really appreciate even the tiniest baby little spider and and the... A friend just rescued a possum yesterday, and I thought of you. There's a really great possum story, you guys. There's gr- amazing bird stories. Oh, my God. the red- I mean, I would have you read a million different things, but I do want to have you read one more thing, yeah. which is The Daily Fading of Flowers, which to me is – I wanted to talk about faith, if we could just talk about one last thing. And it's, um, this is one of the other things that your book is laced with, is to me, because you are so entrenched in – that metaphor of nature and you are so you are part of nature like it's like y- your garden is just a continuation of you right and so you are you are a part of it you are so connected to it so your faith is like this quiet beautiful natural faith that's in every season right it's like this just and it and in every nature metaphor i feel like your faith and so so these you give us these like little, they're not breadcrumbs, they're little flower petals, right? That we follow throughout the, throughout the book. And to me, they're all saying, have faith, have faith, have faith, the seasons come and go. So this, this piece that I, and if, but if there's another one that you'd rather read, that's fine, but this one, I just love in terms, to me, this makes me think of faith.
1: So starting with, of course, the daily fading of flowers. Sure. Is that you want to start? Wherever. Whatever you want to do. Okay. Um, well, I've, previously I was talking about people commenting on some of my floral designs and how, you know, what a shame it was that so much beauty, you know, would only last a day or two. And I would say, oh, you know, one of the wonderful things about flower arranging is their ephemeral nature and it can't be possessed and it's beauty for beauty's sake. And then I'm like, yeah, I talk a good game. <laughs> <But> <laughs> anybody that knows me well knows that I can attach to things like, you know, like nobody's business. So I talk about how you can't be a gardener without some ability to accept death and loss. And so so I'll begin where you started. Of course, the daily fading of flowers in the garden is hardly a gut-wrenching experience. Not only because there's so many, but because we know there will always be more where those came from. We absolutely know this about flowers, yet how do we translate that faith into other aspects of our life? How can we look at the steady, seemingly infinite flow and rotation of blossoms in the garden and trust that the void we feel when a person or relationship transitions out of our life will be refilled by a beautiful new one? It won't be the same, of course, but it can be magnificent, rich, and fulfilling in its own right, even better than the ongoing heartbreak we've clung to for so long. Maybe irises that are fading and roses that are beginning to bloom, but both are stunning, and sometimes we need to release the iris to be fully present and appreciate the rose. It's like trying to enjoy dessert while you're still eating dinner. You can't completely enjoy one while you're still wrapped up in the other. Mm. You want me to go on? You can, if you wish to, yes. And the answer to this existential question came to me subtly, for once, while I was at a Christmas Eve service and a Bible story was being read. It began, and so it came to pass. After hearing that phrase countless times from hundreds of Bible stories over the course of my childhood, I suddenly heard it completely anew and realized what it meant. All things come to pass they do not come to stay. Hmm. It goes on. That's so the-
0: beautiful. Yes. And I almost said that phrase earlier, that everything, this too shall pass, right? And which brings us to this nice little coda for this interview, which is about the quarantine, right? This too shall pass. And you will get out. You will have your book tour. People will will celebrate you and uh this book is going to like i said flower fires everywhere
1: (laughs) (laughs) that is the most beautiful image i wish i knew how to use photoshop i would i would create that you know because (laughs) it's so beautiful it needs to be my logo
0: (laughs) (laughs) it really is i talk about this the the uh, mighty flame in our hearts right the very where all the purest, most divine love rests in, in the center of our hearts, and we all have a mighty flame, and things either make it grow or they make it dim. And your, your book made my mighty flame grow big time. And Thank you. it's making me cry because it's, it's very – I'm so excited for you, and I'm so moved by your work. And I'm so excited about all the people that are going to read it and the heart healing that you're going to spark in people – and they read this book. It's so beautiful. I wish I really, like,
1: really it the biggest hug right
0: now. <laughs> 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 We're doing a virtual Zoom hug. Wow, <laughs> ah, no, it's so beautiful, and it's so funny because um, I I hate interviews where we basically like recount, uh, you know, the timeline of the book. And we didn't do that at all. Like we didn't give away, we didn't give away anything. The book is going to be a total. Even though you read all those poignant, beautiful passages, there are hundreds more beautiful (laughs) passages like that. But not only that, but not only that, we didn't give them the through line, right? Like we didn't give them the plot at all, which is so great.
1: They know why I went postal. Yes.
0: They don't know anything, so they have to read it, right? So this is such a little, uh, little taster for this. So thank you so much for your time. Thank you so oh, much for the um,
1: awesomest. You know, I have to tell you, I had really kind of a rough day today. Oh my gosh. You have been such a light. I just so appreciate it. You oh. completely shifted my energy and, I just, um, I can't tell you how much I appreciate that because it really was, I was like, okay, I got to, you know. You got to rally, right? Yeah, yeah, because it had been a really hard day. I mean, emotionally very challenging and and you are just so luminous. I just really, really, really appreciate you. Oh my gosh. I definitely want to see you when I come to LA.
0: Absolutely. (laughs) And I feel exactly the same way about you. I just want to acknowledge Here's what I want you, here's what I want you to go away from this with, is that The most common experience, I'm just telling you right now, the most common experience of people reading your book is that when they come to the end, they are throwing you a little book party, right? So just imagine that thousands of people around the globe, thousands and thousands and hundreds of thousands of people, when they finish those last pages of your book, they throw you a little virtual book party, okay? You just have to know that in people's hearts, there are these little book parties going on and I am sorry that this is how it went down the timing, but I know... That you're gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna be so much fun. You're gonna have a fun time, in in a nanosecond, right? This too shall pass. <laughs> Thank
1: you, and, and I really appreciate that so much because, you know, one of the things that um, that the spiritual community that I, so one of the things I do want to say because I mentioned you know, some of the pieces, a couple of the pieces um, I mentioned, you know, like the Bible and, you know, Holy and all that. I do want to make sure to make the point that it's very pantheistic, (laughs) you know, I mean, I, I cover everything from, you know, Native American shamanists, you know, with a lot of the animals to a lot of Buddhism, that's been a very big part of my path. Um, But also, you know, I grew up in, Uh, Europe, and you know, we would go to wherever they spoke English, and you know, so that was usually a church, um, like a Christian church. So, so the 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 theology is very universal.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Good point. Yeah. So, so I did want to say that, and then,
0: but the main religion is nature. (laughs) Not really religion, religion is the wrong but,
1: word. <laughs> but yeah, but finding the divine in nature and then those messages at the spiritual center that um, go to, they talk about how part of the beauty of spiritual community is that we all have kind of ups and downs in our life experience and, and also in our ability to hold the vision for our own lives and and that's when someone else can hold the high watch for you is what they call it. And that's what I really feel like you did for me today because I I mean I literally had written an email to a friend of mine earlier, like right before I got on with you, and said, um, you know, I just had the kind of conversation with my agent that really makes me think this is pointless this is not salvageable oh and, oh my gosh and then you came along oh okay. my gosh like just like it's this. so
0: salvageable there's no, there's nothing there's no cell there's no uh there's no debris there's no uh there's no death here. there's no there's no decay there's nothing to salvage it's only growing right it's like It's like a garden that has just been finished, you know, like at Versailles or something, right? Like, like they created the garden and then they opened the gardens to the public at Versailles, right? Like, that's what I feel like. It's this, your, 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 your book is this beautiful castle and it's, you've, you've created the beautiful castle and the immaculate garden around it. And it's just the opening was delayed and then the doors are going to open and throngs of people are going to come in. But there was nothing that happened to that garden. It's just been sitting there waiting. The flowers are just waiting to entertain everybody. And I mean, and, you know, um, I meant to uh, swing back around to that point that you made, which is so uh, appropriate here, which is when you said that your, um, your irises peaked on Easter.
1: yeah.
0: If you don't take that as a sign about your book, I don't know what I'm going to do with you because that is, right, the resurrection there, you know, it's but again, there's nothing to salvage and there's no death. It's just the irises in full bloom that are surrounding the castle of your book will remain at their peak until each and every person comes through that gate.
1: I just really want you to know that um, that you made a huge difference in my life, and I, appreciate that I've been able to reciprocate that with my book for you. Because, Absolutely, um, because I know that you 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 didn't interview me today because I was going to be down, and and you were going to make me feel better, but. <laughs> it's like, I mean, really and truly, like, you just can't even imagine the shift that just happened because of you. Oh,
0: my gosh. Well, I, that is, yes, I I owe you, like, a thousand more of those. So if you're ever down, just give me a call because I owe you 1,000 more.
1: Right. I'm not anything, but I am going to keep your phone number because Great. I want
0: to stay in touch. Absolutely. Absolutely. If you don't if I if if I hear you're in LA and I don't get to meet you, I'm going <laughs> to be so heartbroken and
1: I'm going to have to read it your book again happen. to heal my heart. <laughs> it will not happen. You will as I will absolutely <laughs> let you know when I'm coming I promise. <laughs>
0: okay. All right. Congratulations on your book. Thank and you. I look forward to meeting you for reals. Me too. Absolutely. (laughs) Thank you, superheroes, for joining Rebecca and I today for what was our 100th episode of the Superhero of Love podcast. If you've been listening for a long time, thank you, thank you, thank you for supporting us. Um, And if you like the podcast or you love the podcast, please go rate and review it, tell your friends about it, subscribe to it, spread the love. And if you love what you heard today from Rebecca Wynn, please go find her at RebeccaWynn.com. Please go find her book wherever you get your books. I highly encourage you to support your local independent booksellers. They need our love more than ever. Um, So find Rebecca. And how amazing is it that episode 100 was spent with beloved Rebecca Wynn's book, 100 Daffodils. Wow. Have a great day, superhero.